Good morning. Great to be with you this morning. What a wonderful hymn. We just take those words to heart. I can guarantee you that'd be life transforming. It's been such a privilege for me to partner together with the leaders of this church in this exciting Tell the Next Generation capital campaign. And I pray above all else that this will be a wonderful spiritual growth experience for every member of St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School. And now we have the opportunity to share his word together. And to that end, I invite you to join me for a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, through Jesus Christ, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I'd like to begin by making a statement and then asking a question. The statement is this, every person here this morning is leaving some kind of a legacy. The question is, what kind of legacy are you presently leaving? In 1867, there was a Swedish chemist by the name of Alfred Nobel who invented an explosive he chose to call dynamite after the Greek word dynamis or powerful. He was certain that his invention was going to stop all war, but sadly he learned that the opposite was true. He made a fortune, but he was horrified at the suffering and misery his invention caused in wars, and he didn't know what to do. Toward the end of the 19th century, he awoke one morning, this is a true story, to read his own obituary in the paper. It read, Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite who died yesterday, devised a way for more people to be killed in a war than ever before than this line. He died a very rich man. Actually, it was his older brother who had died. A reporter had made a mistake, but reading that troubled him deeply. So he decided that he wanted to be known for something other than developing a means to kill a lot of people and amass a, a mass of fortune in the process. So you perhaps know the rest of the story. He initiated the Nobel Peace Prize, an award for scientists and authors who foster peace. When he established that, he said this, every man ought to have the chance to correct his epitaph in midstream and write a new one. Boy, isn't that true for you and me as we remind ourselves that the grace of God meets us each day in Jesus Christ and we can have a new beginning. So what kind of epitaph or what kind of legacy are you leaving? Perhaps a better question would be, is what would be a great legacy to leave? Well, I think as we reflect upon the words from the Old Testament lesson this morning, they give a wonderful clue as to one way in which that might be stated. When Moses, speaking to the people of God, said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, and with all your might. Wouldn't you like to be remembered as a person who left a legacy of loving God, but would not stop there, but would add from the New Testament uh, words of Jesus, not just to love God, but to love your neighbor as yourself? I don't know about you, but I couldn't think of a much better legacy to leave than to be known as a lover of God and a lover of people. The question is, how does one leave a legacy of love like that? 
Once again, we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and they give us two beautiful, simple, but profound insights. Moses reminds us that we leave a legacy through our words. That is by what we say. Speaking on God's behalf, Moses said, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts, but they are not to remain there. They are to be impressed upon, that's make an impression upon, your children. And he said, here's how. You talk about them in your home. You talk about the Word of God in your daily routines. When you go to bed at night and when you get up in the morning, and when your kids ask you, what does this all mean? Tell them all that God has done for them and is doing for them in the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Sometimes I think that we make the mistake of thinking that words are basically cheap or perhaps worthless. I think it depends. Our lives and the lives of our children depend upon good words. The health of a Christian congregation uh, relies upon encouraging words that we speak to one another. And so I invite you this morning to express your love for your brothers and sisters here before you leave this campus today. Why? Do it in words. Words are powerful. We leave a legacy through our words, but also our deeds. Uh, Moses went on to say, Tie these words as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on your doorpost. Uh, Zig Ziglar used to say, children more attention pay to what you do than what you say. As a father, I made the mistake of telling my children all too often, kids, do what dad says, not necessarily what he does. It's a hypocritical thing to say. We do respond or we leave a legacy through what we say and do in all areas of our life. God has been incredibly generous to us in so many ways over the years. Aren't you stunned by God's goodness in your life? I stand in awe of how generous God has been to me in my lifetime. Remind yourself with me this morning that we express our gratitude to God by what we say and by what we do. Listen carefully again to these words from Deuteronomy because I believe that they speak as importantly today as they did when they were first spoken. Moses reminded the people, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, that he swore to your fathers, to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, and listen to this, a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, this was all gift, he said, the land that I'm going to give you. He said, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That's why I invite you today 
to look at all the tremendous blessings that God has given you in your life, spiritual and material. These are all evidences of gift and grace to us, none earned or deserved. And in response, we leave a legacy by fearing the Lord our God, serving him only by what we do, and taking our oaths in his name by what we say. So what might these words say to us as we walk through this journey of faith and looking at our own lives and the challenges before this congregation with Tell the Next uh, Generation campaign? What kind of legacy will you leave of love for God and others through words and deeds as you consider sharing your financial resources with the needs of people around you? Well, I would like to suggest you have one of two choices to make. You can choose to be known as a taker from life. Some years ago, I read a book, Giving, Unlocking the Heart of a Good Stewardship. And I tell you, I think it was 11 years ago, I have never forgotten this book. I hope that you will find these words as helpful as I have. In it, the author wrote these words. Look at your hands. He said, when you were an infant, you came into the world, how? With your hands closed. And every time somebody put their little finger by yours, you would wrap your hand around it and hold on tight and not let go. And as a toddler, you started grabbing rattles and little toys, and when another kid came in your direction, you started grabbing and wanting to hold on tight and say, mine, and not let go. He goes on to say that this goes on throughout our lives. And then do you know what happens to some people in the fi final moments of their life? He said, they clutch on to the edge of their hospital bed as if to life itself. And then, then they die. And only then do they begin to relax their grip. You know, the script, scripture has a profound insight that almost all Americans don't understand and all too few Christians really appreciate. The Bible teaches us that by nature, the way we come into this world, you and I are clutchers. That's what sin is and what it does to us. We tend to scrape and claw and work and fret. And if we can get ahead just a little bit, it doesn't matter who or what tries to convince us to relax our grip. We've got this reflective response when it comes to giving up something that's particularly dear to us. We say, if not say, we say it to ourselves. Ah, uh, no way. I don't, I don't know about to him. I, I don't know about to her. And we won't verbalize this, but sometimes we say, no. I'm not even going to do it for God. For most of us, you see, clutching is like breathing. It just comes naturally. And unless it changes, we choose to be known and leave a legacy as a taker from life. It is a negative legacy we choose to leave 
We could even go so far as to say it is one hell of a way to live. But it does not need to be that way. See, we're here this morning because we believe we can choose to be givers in life. We sang it just a moment ago in the hymn. We can learn that Jesus was spot on when he said, you know what? It really is true. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And how does this occur? Remind yourself of this this morning. First, we got to come to God and say, God, man, I need your help. One of the most profound promises of the Bible is this, that when a person comes to the point of reaching out to God, what can they expect? Fully open hands from Him. See, the open hands of God are the outward symbol of this inner reality that God so loved the world that He took? No. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him is not going to perish but have abundant and eternal life. God is the biggest giver in the world, so He alone can make us givers. But if God wants to change our hands, He doesn't start there. He starts with our hearts. He gives us Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to make the difference. He came to transform us from being takers to being givers. That's what Paul was saying so beautifully in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 when he said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and most people say, yeah, I know God's grace, it saves me. Well, Paul says, think of it this way. This is the evidence of God's grace. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He's rich, He had all the glories of heaven. Yet for your sakes and mine, He became poor. How poor? Virtually buck na naked on the cross. Why? So that we who are so poor by sinful nature could become the rich sons and daughters of the heavenly Father and brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus is trying to say to us this morning. He said, I opened my hands for you, and you know what they did? They drove nails through my hands and through my feet so that people like you with hands like yours can be changed. He said, I've taken all your sin. I've taken all your greed. I've taken all your lack of love. I have paid for every bit of that on the cross. And I offer salvation to you as a gift. And then he said, I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to adopt you into my family. I'm going to answer all your prayers. I'm going to give you strength to get through all the storms of life. And he says, to top it all off, I'm going to give you heaven as well as a gift. Well, I tell you, you can trust me on this one. When your heart gets transformed by the generous grace of God in Jesus Christ, your hands are going to have a way of opening up too. And you will be set free to leave a legacy of love and of great generosity. I have seen that throughout my ministry. I served one of the most generous parishes in the world. 
The members of Gloria Day were such a rich blessing to me and to so many people. I sent that that is also true here at St. Paul's Lutheran Church. People are catching the vision that God wants his people to be joyful, faith-filled, sacrificial givers for the greatest cause in the world, the cause of Jesus Christ. That's ultimately what this special offering is all about. And that's why I would ask you, please read carefully through the materials, especially the gift profile and the guide to giving a special offering. We do not confuse this with our tithes that we normally return. This is a special opportunity for God's people to respond willingly and wholeheartedly. I just plead with you to pray and make this a spiritual journey. It's not a matter of equal giving. It's a matter of equal sacrifice. Let God transform your life through this experience. I've seen it happen, as I said, time and again. And one of the most profound examples that I've ever heard was this following true story. There was a single mother in Oklahoma who had several kids, and you might describe her as dirt poor. And she was a tither to her local church, which was going through a capital stewardship campaign. And she went to her pastor in tears and said, Pastor, I, I would love, I would love to give a gift, but I simply, we're tithing, we're returning 10%. I can't afford to give anything more. And he said, look, it's a free will offering. Just pray about it and let the Lord guide and lead you. She goes into a convenience store, like a gas station, a 7-Eleven, and she happened to see a sign on the wall that said, need someone to clean the restrooms. So she went up to the counter and talked to a gentleman behind the counter and discovered that this man owned that service station or convenience store and two other ones. So for the next three years, on a regular, not daily, but on a regular basis, she thoroughly cleaned those restrooms. And she gave the entire amount that she earned, $16,000 to the church's capital campaign. What kind of legacy do you believe this woman was leaving for her children? It's the legacy of rich generosity that she experienced in the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ. May we leave that kind of legacy in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we have the opportunity to hear from one of the director couples of this uh, campaign here at Gloria Day, Matt and Julie Klaus, as they share with us how God is stirring in their hearts at this time. God bless them as they speak. Thank you, Pastor, and good morning. I'd like to ask you to take a moment and look around. Observe bricks in the pews. For many of us, these gifts were given by gener uh, generations of St. Paul's members that have gone before us. They sacrificed to pursue their vi vision of building a beautiful sanctuary so that thousands of people for generations to come could worship their Savior in a sacred space and hear the life-changing good news of the gospel. That was their gift to us. The Tell the Next Generation campaign is a bold endeavor on behalf of today's church and school families. 
It's our turn to answer the call of sacrificial giving and pursue a vision of building a beautiful new school building that will teach future generations of children yet unborn the story of God's love for us. When Julie and I first heard about the campaign, we knew we'd like to contribute in some way. Christian education is very important to us. In Julie's family, her father walked the halls of the current school building here as a student, as did she and her sisters. And now our children, they walk these very same halls. I'm grateful my parents enrolled me in the Detroit area Lutheran school system where I benefited greatly from the nurturing, supportive environment that shaped me into the person I am today. St. Paul's Church and School is our community, it's our family, and we can't imagine a future where the school is crumbling in disrepair and class sizes are dwindling with competitive schools nearby pulling our students away. In our family, we see firsthand the blessings of placing our children in the care of the outstanding staff here at St. Paul's. It is the faithful teachers that pray for our children and our children who pray for their friends and our fellow parents who pray for us, which empowers us to continue the legacy of supporting this solid Christian education. In today's world, we have so many negative influences competing for our attention. Our belief is that grounding our children from birth in the Word of God will provide them the foundation and support they need to grow up in this sinful world. Now, many of you may not be directly impacted by a new school building or may feel that this campaign doesn't apply to you. You may not have children or your children may be grown or you have other schools in our community that you support. However, the future of our church rests in the vibrancy of our school. By ensuring a home for future generations of school children, we're ensuring a continued future of this church. The school and church, they go together. As our founding fathers intended 169 years ago, and this legacy cannot end on our watch. So what does sacrificial giving mean? As Julie and I were discussing how we'd respond financially to this campaign, it became apparent to us that some comforts of our daily life would have to go away. Like many of you, we're giving 10% of our income to church, but this campaign requires an extra offering beyond our normal giving. Although our top priorities include saving for a new house, saving for college, high school educations, and of course, a future retirement, we have decided that God is calling us to make an additional 5% commitment of our resources. We feel that the Lord is leading us toward this financial commitment to ensure the future of our children's edu education in the Lutheran faith, to prepare them to be caring servant leaders in their community. So as a result, we're gonna put off moving to a new house for a few more years and make some changes in our lifestyle and savings plan. This won't be easy, of course, but we certainly feel called to do so. Because in the Gospel of St. Luke, Jesus tells us, everyone to whom much is given, of him much will be required. Julie and I are truly blessed beyond measure. We have everything we need in this life to be content, and we understand that what God has given to us must be used to glorify him.
We feel passionately that this is what the Lord would have us do with the gifts he's entrusted to us. So our prayer is that you will also prayerfully consider making a sacrificial gift to the Tell the Next Generation campaign, as so many generations before have sacrificed for us. So we thank you for your consideration and God's blessings. Please stand.